0: These books are like half clues and then half because they're kids' books, they'll just be like, the tree was really tall and had apples on it. <laughs> like Just to describe <laughs> scenery to children. <laughs> Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our photographic memories and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schubert. I'm notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I'm safely behind the judges' table letting others duke it out instead. Our contestants this week are Helen Zaltzman and Martin Ostwick. Today's mysteries are from Cam Jansen. Helen will be playing for the Howard League. Martin will be playing for women, for refugee women. And now, without further ado, let's put the pedal to the medal and meet our contestants, Helen and Martin. How's it going?
1: Hi, Mike. Hey, ready for combat?
2: <laughs> I'm ready to be defeated in combat. I
1: don't. I don't. I disagree that you're going to be defeated, Martin, because I think children's mysteries they're often hard to solve, as mm. Mike has found. Because children think in quite an abstract way as do you
2: Ah. that's a good point i mean also i've been watching a lot of agatha christie's poirot on the tv with with helen it's great training for this and basically if it involves a disguise which almost every agatha christie story does i think i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna get it
1: yeah if anyone in these mysteries is described as having a beard we know it's a fake beard
0: yeah because they're all children So do either of you have any sort of experience with reading mystery novels or watching mystery TV shows as kids? Uh,
1: Yes. Um, There were a lot of good detective shows on when I was a child that were probably slightly inappropriate for the age I was. Ah. There's some really good ones like uh, Inspector Morse is a grumpy Oxford-based detective. He was like my first celebrity crush when I was nine or whatever. (laughs) He was so grumpy. He had such lovely silver hair. Kind of an alcoholic. Kind of, mm,
0: yeah. Oh, great kids content.
1: Yeah, but you know, then you don't have to get attached. (laughs) It's just a fling and then... You know, because of all his
2: <laughs> Helen, um,
1: and uh, Cracker, who's like a real messed up,
2: also an alcoholic. Fr- <laughs> six,
1: like, I didn't have a crush on Cracker, I just respected the intellect and the gambling and addict. Agatha Christie, which is uh, a little more fun because it's so bloodless because uh, it's all these period drama mysteries.
2: Well, I remember reading, uh, like watching adult. Uh, detectives, but I don't remember reading any children's detective books. I remember watching Mm. Scooby-Doo, but then that's always, that's a disguise. Always a disguise.
0: Classic. Classic.
1: I used to read Nancy Drew.
0: Yeah. I think you might have the edge.
1: Well, I can't remember how they went now.
0: Uh, Usually she gets into trouble. She finds her way out of it. She wins. (laughs) Solves a crime. (laughs) The end.
1: Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys were written by like a a farm of detective writers, weren't they?
0: Yeah, I learned that the hard way. I learned that the hard way by doing a Nancy Drew episode of the podcast, is that Carolyn Keene isn't real, it's just a pen name for whoever happens to be writing this current Nancy Drew book.
2: Wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Her name is Caroline Keene, but she is Legion.
0: Yeah, it's cool until you realize that a bunch of dudes wrote it under a <laughs> woman pseudonym, so it's less fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. It's
1: like Calvin Harris changing his name to Sound More Black.
0: Wait, What?
1: Yes his real name is Adam
0: Wiles. Uh I mean yeah it's a it's a bad name to go with. <laughs> As much as everything about me just screams EDM bro, uh, I am no- <laughs> I am not particularly fond of Calvin Harris. You could definitely pass if you wanted to. If I wanted to. That's the thing is like, if I really wanted to fit a bunch of really bad stereotypes, I could. If you're trying to
2: infiltrate a DDM scene to solve a crime like Columbo does in that, <laughs> that rave episode in
0: LA.
1: If you were doing a school play of We Are Your Friends, you could play the Zac Efron part.
0: <gasps> I love Zach Efron, so I'll make that happen. I will be happy to do any role that he does. I'm forward
1: to it. Video it.
0: Oh, of course.
1: I made another podcast for you. Mike Schubert recreates Zac Efron roles. Just
0: taking notes and making sure that I write you out of any sort of money to gain from that. (laughs) (laughs) Original idea by Mike Schubert. This IP is all mine. So here's how the game is going to work. I will be recapping three quick mysteries from the esteemed children's novel series, Cam Jansen. And these are mysteries that neither of you have read before. I'll lay out all of the clues. I will ask for your accusations and each correct guess of the culprit or the motive will earn you points. But there's also bonus points at stake. If your guess matches my incorrect guess, I will give you a Misery Loves Company bonus point. <laughs> and if you say something particularly funny, you throw jabs at each other, mm. I'll throw some bonus points. Points are a social construct. Who can cares? So if the game is tied at the end of these three rounds, we will break the tie in the only fitting way with a sudden death riddle. Oh, Lord. Mm. Now, before we get into the first mystery, since this is our first time covering Cam Jansen, let me give you a little bit of a background behind our detective here. She is a young girl who has a photographic memory. Wow. And the way that she accesses this photographic memory is by closing her eyes and saying, click, and then she mm. can clearly remember something from before. So that is how she remembers clues and evidence as she closes her eyes, says click, remembers things and then uses that to solve the mysteries.
2: So before, like, Sherlock Holmes had his memory palace, she had a memory roll of film.
1: Before Adam Sandler had his magic remote control (laughs) in the film trick.
2: (laughs) Man, I love it. I can't believe you mentioned that movie. I'm (laughs) You're
0: you're trying to psych me out.
1: It was you who watched it.
0: Yes, that's true. (laughs) So all of these mysteries will be coming from the same Cam Jansen book, which is called The Summer Camp Mysteries. It is a special edition of the book that has three quick mysteries in one book. I may or may not have picked it because the second mystery we will be doing is called The Basketball Mystery. Uh, That (laughs) definitely put me over the edge for choosing this. Is the mystery what is basketball? Because I'm going to (laughs) be stumped with that. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one that we'll be covering today is The First Day of Camp Mystery. Mm. So Cam and her friend Eric are getting dropped off at summer camp by Cam's mother and Eric's father. Eric is worried because they have a friend at the summer camp named Danny, who loves to tell jokes and riddles until the wee hours of the morning. Oh. Now, I'm glad you gave that groan because the book does (laughs) list every single one of Danny's terrible jokes. And in this episode, I will be asking every single one of his riddles slash jokes. And if you get them right, you'll get a bonus point.
1: Oh, soft (laughs) mysteries. (laughs) I did, I did not
0: does, sign on for this.
1: Does Cam's mom and Eric's dad go off and like have a hot fling while their kids are at summer camp?
0: So they never say, but they also never say what's up with Eric's mother or Cam's father. So I kind of like this alternate reality where they're a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> so Eric starts recapping some of these terrible riddles because his dad asks, oh, they can't be that bad. So here's the first one and you will earn bonus points if you get it correct. How do you catch a squirrel? How do you catch a squirrel? Mm-hmm. But it's a riddle rather than a practical question
1: involving yes. like a net and well, a squirrels trap. Squirrels are
2: quite dangerous. Martin. I mean, they cause a lot of problems. Martin, you've plural. just got to
1: focus on the words. <laughs> Remove them from meaning. You, you can do this.
2: <laughs> a squirrel.
1: How do you catch a squirrel? Do you disguise yourself as a nut?
0: Boom. One bonus point for Helen. It is climb a tree and act like a nut. <laughs> That's
1: a... <laughs> That's a joke, right. Okay, that's a
0: joke, don't
1: riddle. Act like a nut.
0: Yeah, he he alternates between jokes and riddles. Though these will alternate between riddles and jokes, the key theme is consistent, and that's that they are always bad. (laughs) Mm. The other example that Eric provides is, what is green and jumps? There's
1: a lot of options. What is
2: green and jumps?
1: A jumping bean?
0: It's not a jumping Um, bean.
2: Martin, do you have a guess? (laughs) A green jumper. I guess that, is it an American book? That wouldn't make any sense in America.
1: No, it's a different kind of garment.
2: No, but that's a that's a fun one. A green, uh, a green
0: sweater? If it was what is green and sweat.
1: <laughs> is it a pole vaulter wearing a sweater made of frogs?
0: No, but I do love it. The actual answer is celery with the hiccups.
1: That's absurd. Oh, no, fuck that. No. don't accept
0: it. <laughs> no, that can get bent. <laughs> <laughs> so Cam's mother and Eric's father have a bit of a dispute over the directions. Cam uses her click power to correct them. And this is where we learn that Cam's name is not actually Cam. Her name is Jennifer, but when people found out about her photographic memory, they started calling her The Camera, which is a dope nickname, <laughs> and that eventually got shortened to just Cam. So I think that's the coolest.
1: I hate it when they have to explain nicknames in books.
0: Yeah. yeah, it is a children's book, so I get it. But I do think it's pretty cool. If your nickname is so prolific that people think it's your first name, I think that's great. I have had this happened to me where someone once was disappointed to learn that my birth name was not Shoobs. And when they found out it was Michael, they were very disappointed because it's such a boring name.
1: (laughs) I wonder if they were inspired by the Christopher Isherwood play I Am a Camera, which was later turned into Cabaret. But they thought, what would it be like if I was a camera?
0: Hmm. Maybe. Maybe that's... Let me look at the author. Uh, Maybe that's where uh, David A. Adler got his inspiration. (laughs) So... They arrive at the camp and Cam's mother explains that orientation is set up where the kids are going to go meet up with their cabins on the baseball field and the parents are going to help the kids unpack and they're all supposed to leave at lunchtime. So they get into the camp and they are greeted by Barry, who works the gate at the camp. Mm -hmm. Barry instructs the kids to make hello, my name is name tags so that they can be identified. And once they get into the camp and they park... Cam and Eric see a lockbox where you can drop in envelopes that says, put snack money here. And then in smaller font, it says, write your child's name and bunk number on the front. Seal the envelope and deposit it here. And then there's a bunch of envelopes next to this lockbox.
1: Hmm, I'm already very suspicious. Both of the name tags, because I'm assuming an identity swap. And then mm. some uh, money envelope grift.
0: Yeah, money envelope grift. You are on the right track. So Cam and Eric follow the instructions, take the money, put it into the lockbox, and they go back with their parents to help unload the car. There's this very funny scene of Eric trying to grab all of his sports equipment at once. His dad <laughs> grabs a suitcase, but then Eric has all of his stuff loose, so Eric. he's trying to carry a hockey stick and a baseball glove and a basketball, and You're he keeps dropping idiot. all his. <laughs> he's <laughs> dropping all of his <laughs> stuff. While he's stumbling across the parking lot, the hijinks go up another level because there's a car that's trying to leave the parking lot and he's in the middle of the road. So the car starts honking at him and Eric's dad realizes how funny this is and goes, oh, I'm going to take a picture of this. This is hilarious. And then Cam walks over and she closes her eyes and goes, click, and then says, no, I have a picture of it too. Ha ha ha. I love Eric's dad dunking on his own son. I think it's fantastic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Eric's dad has just got his mind on how in an hour he's going to be in a Motel 6 with Cam
0: <laughs> doing something with his own sports equipment. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> so Eric gets his act together, gets all of the equipment, and joins up with his cabin group. Cam joins hers, led by Fran, one of the camp counselors. Fran to Cam says, welcome to camp, Jennifer, because on Cam's name tag, she wrote Jennifer. Dead named her. I know. And Cam goes, most people call me Cam. And then Fran says, most people call me beautiful. Fran, you creep. I know, this is a child. She's like a young teenager, I assume. She's certainly a good example. She's owning her
1: her body. Also, (laughs) can't forget Fran is working for the man Mm. as a camp counselor. Working for the
0: Fran. (laughs) That's a bonus point for Martin right there for a bad pun. (laughs) I love it. The score's now tied at (laughs) one-to-one. Eric comes running over saying that Danny is at it again with the riddles. So now we get into another riddle. Do you know why Cinderella was no good at baseball? She ran away from the ball. Yep. Boom. Bonus point for Helen. Very quick. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Then he asks another one, why did the orange stop on the highway?
1: Because it was feeling a little squeezed. And no, it just couldn't go on. It was that. like it was like the Orion video with it all stop on the highway because uh, it ran out of juice.
0: That's it. Boom! Another bonus uh, point.
1: <laughs> but it's still existential juice. You know, it's a metaphor for
0: depression. So then there is an announcement over the camp PA system by Sadie Rosen, the camp director. She says that the campers are supposed to go to their bunks. Parents are going to help them put away their stuff and then say goodbye at lunch. But Jacob, one of the boys counselors, comes to get Eric. Eric's dad says, oh, go with him, it's okay. I love how organized this camp is. The schedule, the name tags, the lockbox, it's great. And then Jacob goes, what lockbox? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh. So Jacob
1: is either doing a double bluff for the scam because he's in on the scam or is he's not the suspect we should be keeping an eye on even though he's also working for the man.
0: Who's to say? So Jacob reveals that this is his first year at the camp, and he says, maybe this is just because it's my first year, but I've never heard of anyone talking about a lockbox before. So he calls over Fran. And Fran says she's also not heard about the lockbox. Hmm. She pulls out the handbook for the camp, and the handbook also says nothing about the lockbox. Fran book nice nice I will give Mm. you a bonus Mm. point just because fair is fair Uh, but no more no more Fran puns (laughs) okay unless it's really good what happens if she gets really frantic ah damn it oh it was really good another (laughs) point for Martin oh my gosh what about if she has a run in with a Fran eater? no I don't know that's there's this I don't know what there's not that many Fran in (laughs) North America (laughs) whatever state this takes place (laughs) in so Jacob then calls over Matthew this is the last new character that we will meet don't worry Jacob calls over Matthew who is another one of the boy counselors. He says that the kids told him about it, and he thinks that the lockbox is a great idea because he doesn't like to handle all of the money, and the official handbook policy <laughs> is that the counselors are supposed to have all of the money on them, which seems like a bad policy, so I kind of get Matthew here, but, you know, he's going against camp rules.
1: Unless he's lying.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm So Jacob brings up the handbook. Matthew says, oh, they just used the same handbooks as last year. Maybe Sadie Rosen adjusted the rules, but didn't update the handbooks.
1: Mm.
0: Really? So then all the kids and the parents are going to find the lockbox and see what's up. But when they get there, it's gone. No shit. So, (laughs) So Cam kicks it into gear and starts to use her camera powers to investigate the situation. She remembers how the parking lot looked when they left. Says that all of the cars that were parked there are still there, so nobody knew has come into the camp. And then Sadie Rosen comes in and she, the camp director, is very upset about the situation. She's all frantic about the box. All of the other parents start yelling at her like, where's my money? And it becomes a very frantic scene. I'm gonna give myself (laughs) a bonus point. Um, (laughs) But then Sadie thinks that all of this is a prank. Eric is not so sure. He sees someone walking across the camp with a really big bag. So he runs over and thinks that the guy has the lockbox in it. But it turns out that it is just the sports Director for the camp, and he's just setting up the equipment. But that bag of sports equipment jogs Cam's memory, and then she is able to solve the crime. So I leave it to you two. Who do you think is behind the stolen money, fake lockbox situation?
1: Oh, okay. So I, I've got it. I know it. If it's sports equipment that jogs her memory, is it taking a picture with her mind camera of Eric struggling with all his sports equipment while his dad laughs and then drives off with all the money in the back of his car?
2: Mm. Martin? I think it's close. I think it's the car that was trying to get out uh when Eric was messing about with the sports equipment has the thief in it. And the only character that I remember encountering earlier on that we haven't heard of in the latter part of the story was Barry. Mm-hmm. Which
1: one's Barry again?
2: He's like the guy that opens the gates.
1: Oh yeah. Barry's got years of grievances against the fucking kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's not even getting paid minimum wage. Helen, just so I'm sure, what was your guess? Did you say the same thing as Martin or a different thing?
1: No, I said Eric's dad, dad. but I was just fucking around. Martin's (laughs) guess sounds legit.
0: Did you have a sincere guess?
1: (laughs) I think now that Martin said his, I can't tear my mind away from it. So uh, I'm happy to yield to Martin unless it is Eric's dad.
0: So (laughs) Martin is correct. It was the person in the car honking and driving away. For a bonus point, do either of you know what the key thing about the situation that Cam realized was fishy? That car was leaving where everyone else was arriving? Yes, that's it. I'll give you a bonus point for that. So yeah, they had established it that- it. It's very
1: circumstantial. <laughs> Never stand up in court.
0: <laughs> the whole situation for parents dropping off the kids was that they weren't supposed to leave until lunchtime started. So if someone was oh, yes. leaving as- Yeah, but they still can. I guess, yeah, but that's- <laughs> What are they are gonna do? <laughs> Be like, no, you can't. None shall pass. <laughs> we have like spark plugs.
1: Good fucking luck. If you leave, we'll murder your child in the lake.
0: <laughs> Barry is just gonna close the gate and pull a Gandalf and say you can't leave.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. They've got Barry. So either Barry's an accomplice or they've they've just mown Barry down.
0: <laughs> so that's what made Cam suspicious. Thankfully, with her photographic memory, she remembered the license plate number so she could tell the police, and they caught the criminal.
1: So do we actually know the human perpetrator or is it just a guilty car?
0: It's just random, dude. They end up finding uh, out who sake. it is and it's no one that we met before. My guess, I thought it was Matthew uh. because he was really suspicious to be like, I think that the lockbox is a great idea, guys. No,
1: he's just a <gasps> capitalist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. So at the end of this first round, Martin has a slim six to four lead, but we get into our second mystery, the basketball mystery. Maybe the inspiration behind (laughs) me picking this book. (laughs) (laughs) So we have Cam eating dinner with her friend Terry and Danny is back at it with some more jokes. Here we go for a bonus point. What did one baby ear of corn say to the other? Was it? You're too young to be turned into a tortilla. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I can hear you because I'm an ear of corn but I can't see you because I have no eyes and we're both going to die young.
0: I enjoy both of these guesses. The correct answer is
1: where's pop corn? Because
0: oh, they were cleats. baby uh, ears of corn. Uh, I, I object. object. <laughs> That's not a thing we'd say in Britain.
1: Where's father corn we'd say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where's old daddy corn? <laughs> so... Fran comes over to take Cam's dinner order. The choices of dinner are tuna or chicken with a side of either carrots, spinach, or baked potatoes.
1: Do you really get Mm. a table service at Cam?
0: I don't know. I never did a sleepaway camp. The only camp that I ever did growing up was sports camps, and they had just a cafeteria. It was attached to a community college, so we just went in the community college cafeteria, and I would get pork roll and cheese sandwiches every day, which, looking back, is terrifying because— Pork roll is like if sausage and bacon had a kid, but Whoa. the genes that only made it Whoa. through were the unhealthy ones. It's somehow uh, like a worse version mm. of the two, but it tastes so good. And I ate that every day for lunch for a month, every year. Still alive. From still alive. ages nine to 14. I, I don't know how I did it, man. <laughs> oh my Your gosh. arteries
1: are made of wood.
0: I can. Yes. You're still here. I had the cholesterol of a 50-year-old man at age 13.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's always precocious. So, Frank comes over, offers her... Chicken
0: or fish? Because mm-hmm. be Yeah, because they're at a wedding, basically. Cam says that she wants the tuna, and Fran goes, "Nobody likes tuna," which is correct. Whoa. I think tuna is disgusting, but no need to yuck Cam's yum. Right. Is it um, Fran said tuna? Oh. What? I think we're done with Fran puns, but I do like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just trying to bring the <laughs> Fran puns back. I, I didn't understand. Like pan-seared tuna. No,
1: it's tenuous, Martin. I'm afraid the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the consonants have departed too far from the original to make it a clear pun. Don't reward bad that behavior, Mike. I, don't think I, 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 want get I won't, I
0: won't. No, it's okay. We're good. You're lucky I'm not deducting points, mister. <laughs> so Cam says that she likes tuna and she also wants tuna because she wants to take a little bit home, wrap it in a napkin, and give it to Kitty, the camp cat.
1: Uh... Presumably the cat is probably being fed through the prearranged sources and getting sneakily fed by a lot of children, so I'm not sure that this is necessary.
0: Probably not, probably not. If I've learned anything from working in a cool hip office for 6 months when I worked in digital marketing they had office dogs and on <laughs> multiple occasions the owners of the dogs had to tell people in company-wide settings please stop feeding the dogs with snacks my dog is getting grossly overweight
1: yeah i've seen dogs in old people's homes of similar predicament
0: i could see it i could see it i mean it's just it's just so fun to feed the pets i get it
1: yeah Marks the passage of time. Exactly.
0: So Cam takes back some tuna that she wants to give to Kitty, but she can't find Kitty in the cabin.
2: Is it like a, a tuna steak, or is it from a, a fan of tuna? They never Stop w- it. really <laughs> say. <laughs> can we
1: can we uh, ban him from the sport? You can't
0: fran you can't fund
1: me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn it! I keep Please. going back and forth between wanting to deduct and wanting to add. I feel no, like I'm Mike. just going to keep it even. Resist. <laughs> yeah. So, Terry comes back from dinner. She says she wants to play basketball on the basketball courts because they have lights. So, Cam says, sure. When they go out to the courts, they see their friend Eric and Jim, the sports counselor, petting Kitty. So, that's where Kitty has been. Eric says that he wants to play basketball as well, and Jim says, sure, here's a key to the sports shed. Go and get a basketball and then come back. But when Eric comes back, he comes back empty-handed and reports that the shed is empty. Everything is gone. What the shit? Mm Mm-hmm. We found our basketball mystery. (laughs) So Jim is in absolute disbelief because he locked it up before dinner. So they go to check it out, and they see that the padlock that was on the shed has been cut. So someone Mm. clearly Mm. has broken into this shed. Now, we also learn that it wasn't just sports equipment in the sports shed, but also Prizes for the last day of camp awards and Jim's computer. Oh, well. <laughs> what? The, when is this book set? They never really say. I could let, let's see. When was the uh, publishing date? I wonder how nice of a laptop this was.
1: I'm just wondering how huge the computer was. It
0: <laughs> like, might have been a tower. Yeah. Well,
1: if it's the '60s, then the computer's going to fill the whole. Definitely.
0: Shit. <laughs> my
2: sporting not computer the 60s for sure. Franstrad. <laughs> Uh, let the record no. show that Helen just said, asked if it was a Franstrad. I
1: said it. I said it off mic because I don't think Amstrad <laughs> computers made it to the states.
0: This book was published in 2007, and yes, I did not get that joke. Okay. of...
1: <laughs> that's why I didn't say it to you, Mike. <laughs> so
0: 2007. It's a chunky Dell. It's a chunky Dell with like the little blue uh, mouse thing in between the G and the H key. You know.
1: Do you think people in 2007 would have trusted their laptop to a shed?
0: I just don't know why he brought it. What do you need the laptop for at camp? There's no way this camp has Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's mm. true. <laughs> Maybe he has like
2: a spreadsheet for like the, if it's a complex, you know, like knockout mm. or like, I don't know how sports work. When there's teams yeah, playing right. other teams, you don't have to work out which one goes through. A bracket. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: nice. Um,
1: <laughs> Whose laptop is it again? I've forgotten. That
0: is Jim, the sports director.
1: Jim, sports guy. Okay.
0: Jim, mm-hmm. sportsman. So they see the padlock has been cut and Kitty walks over to the padlock and starts licking it. So, you know, no. classic Kitty shenanigans.
1: Oh my God, I know, it was was it Fran?
0: Uh, oh, we'll have to see, we'll have to see. So they decide that they're gonna go talk to Barry because there's so much sports equipment that the only way to have that equipment leave the camp would be to load it into a car or truck or something like that. Mm. Or bury it on the premises. Exactly. So Barry says that the only person who left was Sadie Rosen, the camp director. She was getting a movie, which seems strange that they didn't have a movie already prepared for the movie night. I don't know why you have to leave the cabin to go to Blockbuster, maybe? But the only other person to drive in or out, someone came in. It was a plumber. They had a truck to fix a toilet issue in one of the girl cabins. Mm-hmm. So the kids and Jim go over and start inspecting the plumbing truck when the plumber walks up and it's a woman, which I thought was kinda nice. I will say I gotta give a lot of credit to these Cam Jansen books in that they do a good job of diversity. Yes, Cam is a red-headed white girl, but Eric, her friend, is Asian. There's illustrations throughout the book. It's people of all different races and sizes and appearances, and I think that's good for a children's book. So the plumber woman comes up. She asks what's going on. They tell her the situation. She says that she doesn't have any of the sports equipment. She says that she was fixing the clogged toilet and that the toilet was clogged with a bunch of carrot sticks. Ooh, Jim does not care about this. This There's actually a really funny bit where she keeps talking about different things that she has found clogged in toilet pipes, and Jim the sports guy just keeps saying thank you every single time, which is fantastic. She says the carrot sticks thing, says thank you. Jim's got a crush. Yeah, maybe he does. She also says that one time she found someone who flushed their math homework down the toilet, and Jim could not care less. It's absolutely fantastic. So where's my fucking laptop? (laughs) It's true, not fucking carrots. <laughs>
2: Where's my laptop? is expensive. I'm just a sports guy. I can't afford another
0: laptop. <laughs> Jim does go on to say, we're looking for basketballs. And she goes, oh, that wouldn't be inside of pipes. They're way too big. <laughs> So Jim and the kids then decide to check out the woods because that's the only other way that you could get into or out of the camp. When they go, they don't see any sort of tire tracks or footprints or anything like that. So they then decide and they deduce that all of the equipment must still be at the camp, just hidden. Mm. So Kitty is then licking Cam's hand. And Eric says, oh, your hand must still smell like tuna. Now this starts a trend. I've noticed in these books that Eric says that he helps Cam solve mysteries, but all he does is say obvious shit and then (laughs) it sparks Cam's memory. (laughs) That's his contribution is just talking and then she goes, ah, you said a word, I got it. So because he talks about her hand still smelling like tuna. That jogs her memory. She starts to do camera stuff Mm. because she realizes and remembers that Kitty didn't want to leave the shed and kept licking the padlock. So she thinks something is fishy with the padlock. So at this point, Cam is able to put it all together and figure out who it is. So Martin and Helen, who do you think is behind this?
1: Right, well, my initial thought was because of the padlock licking, I was like, it's someone who's had their hands on tuna, which would either implicate Cam, which would be an interesting twist, (laughs) or Fran, because we know Fran has handled the tuna. But having been led astray last time, where the perpetrator was an unseen person driving a car, it's probably like Lunch Lady Agatha, (laughs) with her hands full of tuna and a bundle full of grievances, and she wants some trophies and some... balls (laughs)
0: and a laptop
1: and a 2007 laptop
0: okay martin do you have a guess i think the cat's the key
2: element i think someone's trained the cat they've smeared china on the padlock and the cat's bitten through the lock hungrily to get them in. And I suspect... Oh, no. <laughs> what kind
1: of monster cat with, like, <laughs> bolt-cutter jaws do you think this They're is? They're predators.
2: They have exactly the same social <laughs> behaviours as lions and tigers.
1: And I don't trust cats. You know this, Martin, but they've got weak little stupid mouths.
2: And I reckon then they went a step further and they kind of smeared <laughs> tuna over all of the items in the sports shed. And the cat... Mm. swallowed them that's where the stuff is so I think in terms of who could deliver such a dastardly plan mm, someone with a lot of sense of strategy so maybe and
1: a lot of access to tuna
2: maybe the camp director because who would have the rapport with the camp cat apart from the camp director who's been there for years
1: could you just remind me Shoobs of who was petting the cat when she comes out of her cabin and sees two people petting the cat Eric and
0: her friend Eric and Jim the sportsman
1: oh was it an inside job by Jim oh. but then I guess he wouldn't have to Open up the padlock deliberately. Was he hiding but the you balls? Don't I
2: thought he said it was lunch, Lady Agatha. You can't just guess every character in the thing. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm only. <laughs> I'm only accepting Helen's guess of lunch, Lady Agatha. And I or will Fran. say, or, or Fred, but I will say, you are correct. It is the lunch person that we have not met.
2: Oh, that is
0: hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad mystery writing. It is Kenny, the dude who happens to be working in the lunch oh. room. An insatiable appetite for balls. <laughs> oh. What Cam realizes is that it had to have been, like you deduced, realizes that it had to have been someone who was touching tuna, so they go into the kitchen to figure out what's up, and while they're there, they go to the fridge, and this dude, Kenny, walks up with a key, and then Jim goes, hey! What's up with the key? Why is the fridge locked? And he was like, Oh, I don't know. And then <laughs> Kenny tries to turn around. He's like, Where are you going? And <laughs> Kenny says, I thought I was hungry, but then I remembered I wasn't. And Jim's like, get over here. And then they unlock the fridge, and all of the stuff is inside. Oh, I like mine much better.
1: That's um disappointing, although I'm right. So I suppose that's cold comfort. What's his motive?
0: He just wanted to steal the stuff.
1: Why? What mm. value do balls have?
0: I don't know. I guess he's going to go to sports authority and get it all sold as used equipment. Uh, it's not particularly clear. I am going to give Martin a bonus point because the cat biting through the lock is so ridiculous that I have to reward it in some form. And bonus points is how I'm doing it. Outrageous match <laughs> fixing. So now we get into the final mystery of the episode with the score So ton- what do
1: I win for like getting it right?
0: Oh, you get three points. You get three okay, points. Three points. fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The score is tied seven to seven as we get into the final mystery of this episode. It's a raid. I was hoping it was
1: going to be a rave, but. 2007,
0: we're a bit too early, despite my undying love for Calvin Harris, as is well established.
1: I don't think his career took off till about 2008.
0: Oh, well, maybe this book is what kicked it into gear.
2: Well, he would have been doing little gigs like Camps then. That's
0: true.
1: But his his music was a bit less EDM-y.
0: Maybe Calvin Harris is Kenny and he needed the laptop so he could start making sick beats because it's a Mac laptop and it had (laughs) GarageBand installed.
1: And uh, he had to change his name yet again.
0: (laughs) So in this mystery, it begins with the girl camp going swimming and Fran, our favorite counselor, coming in. She apologizes for being late. She says that she was in an intense tennis match with Jacob, the other camp counselor. Mm -hmm. Tennis match. Mm -hmm. She then tells them that it's time for them to go in from swimming in the lake. They gotta go get ready because their next activity of the day is playing baseball. When they go back to their cabin, which is cabin G8, All of the beds have been pushed into the middle of the room. All of the girls' sneakers and pants have been piled on top of the beds. And then there's writing on the ceiling that says, guess who? Manson family. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say (laughs) helter-skelter? So, Fran is very excited. She goes, it's a raid. And everyone goes, what's a raid? And she explains that it's some sort of prank and then you get to prank whatever cabin did it and you try to figure out who was behind it. Fran, that's not good. Pranks aren't good. This one at least is harmless. All they did was move the beds and put stuff on top of them. So it's not like they actually messed with anything.
1: Well, got them real good. Pile of shoes, ha,
0: idiots. (laughs) (laughs) They're gonna have to take their shoes off of the bed before they get inside of them. It's such an inconvenience. (laughs) (laughs) So Fran then starts to sing the raid song, which is poorly written. It says, don't be afraid. It's just a raid. We'll get even, even Steven. Raid, raid, raid. That's the song.
1: The the last line can't be raid, raid, raid. (laughs) <laughs> that's a real that's a real cop out. Yeah, we? I
0: refuse to believe it.
1: I think <laughs> Fran, who we know is a bit of a pill, Fran is just making this up to impress the kids.
0: <laughs> Could be a theory, could be. So Betsy, one of the girls in the cabin, thinks that it is either cabin B8, because they're about to play them in baseball, so this could be them trying to psych them out.
1: (laughs) They'll never be able to
0: succeed with (laughs) shoes that they just had to put off off the (laughs) bed. They had to expend so much energy putting their shoes on from on top of the bed that they'll never be able to hit a single.
1: Every sports girl's nightmare.
0: Their feng shui in the cabin is totally ruined. (laughs) That's how you get them. So she thinks it's either B8, the baseball boys, or B9 because they always race G8 to the cafeteria when they're walking to lunch. Mm.
1: (laughs) uh, Is it going to be B10 because they were actually looking for drugs and money?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will happily let you know that in this case, the person behind it is someone that we have actually met. Oh. (laughs) So we'll meet people throughout this mystery and it is someone that we have seen. Fine. (laughs) So Fran says that she wants to get back at whoever did it and her dastardly plan is that they are going to steal all of the left shoes of the people who did it and then they're going to put popcorn and potato chips inside of their right shoes so that they'll have to hop around and make crunching noises the whole time because these kids couldn't walk barefoot or empty the shoes.
1: I would I would preach de-escalation. Mm. in this situation.
2: Or you can go the other way and just burn the cabin down. Yeah, burn. just burn all the shoes. <laughs> no be- one
1: can be trusted with them.
2: Burn B-8 and B-9 just to be sure. <laughs> t- take off and nuke the site for a moment.
1: Burn all the B-cabins!
0: <laughs> so they go on to their baseball activity and Cam is trying to crack this case. Mm. She starts to do so during the game of baseball. There's a scene where she is up to bat and she keeps doing her click stuff while the pitches are being thrown to her so she strikes out being. because... (laughs) because she can't wait any time she has to solve this mystery while it's her turn to bat.
2: She's got some issues around
0: focus, hasn't she?
1: There's not much urgency Mm. to solving this shoe mystery.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is that this one is the lowest stakes of all of the other ones. The first one involved identity theft, stealing money, lying cars driving away with money. The other one we did involves stealing of equipment and laptops. This is just, someone played a not good prank on us. I feel like it's not very pressing. (laughs) So the result of Cam's clicking is that she remembers that someone, whoever did it, they had to have been doing some sort of activity since this took place while they were swimming in the lake. So she tries to remember what activity is closest to our cabin, and she blinks and realizes that the basketball courts are the closest to their cabin. Right. She realizes that whoever was playing basketball probably did it. So Jim, the sports guy, he is pitching for both teams in this baseball game, and he won't tell Cam who was on the basketball court until the game is over. He's like, this is a game, and this is sacred. (laughs) We have to finish this game of baseball. Jim takes his sports role very seriously, except for getting stuff stolen. I'm with Jimmy on this. Right. It's like, stop asking questions. Let me throw the ball.
1: It's just some fucking shoes, Cam. <laughs> I just lost my toast. laptop.
0: I definitely agree. It's incredibly low stakes. She could just wait a little bit. There's no time sensitivity to this. You're going to just figure out who pranked you. You don't need to find out who pranked you right this instant.
1: Yeah, but we know that Fran sucks. And mm. maybe Fran is just on at Cam going, I need to find out who it was so I can take their shoes and fill them with potato chips. I need to know now, 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 yeah. now, now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe Fran is just pestering Cam incessantly and she just wants to get Fran to shut up.
1: Even Stevens, raid, 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 raid. sing yeah. me, raid, raid, raid.
0: <laughs> Fran has decided to not stop singing the song until they figure out who did it.
1: Yeah, she's pranking all of them. <laughs>
0: So the game concludes and Jim says that G9, one of the girls' camps, was on one of the courts and B8, the boys' camp, was on the other court.
1: Oh, it's definitely those bitches in G9, isn't it? The way this is going, because they've already cast suspicion on B8.
0: <laughs> so Cam talks to Eric, her friend. He's in B8 and he says, no, we didn't do it. And the reason that Cam is able to rule them out is that our favorite riddle boy, Danny, is in the cabin. Mm. And she says that all they wrote was says who. It totally would have been a if danny's cabin did it which is really sound reasoning
1: that's true it's a little yeah. danny redemption
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like it's like a serial killer he couldn't resist <laughs> playing a <the> signature trick
1: <laughs> that will be the next mystery like uh, some bodies are found horrifically mutilated <laughs> yeah. in the wood
2: with uh, my first is in france but never an egg
0: carved into their chest Oh, wait, what was that? I wanna see if I can solve this one. What's the joke? Oh, I don't know, I don't actually have a riddle. He's extemporizing. Oh, okay, I have one that I will say of my own. This is always my favorite. When I was in college, I was on the improv team, and anytime I told someone this, people would ask me, oh, you're in the improv team, tell me a joke, which is not how (laughs) improv works. What I would always do is I would just tell people this one very bad pun joke, and it's this. It is, why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Because that's a foot. Yes, because then it would be a foot. Bonus point to Martin. Wow.
1: Yes. Wouldn't work in metric countries, would it?
0: Ah, that's why I told it in America. (laughs) (laughs) So people would either find the joke funny or they would say, that's not funny. And then I would say, neither are we. Don't come to our show. Wow.
1: (laughs) That's bleak.
0: <laughs> the other fun thing that I would do when people asked about improv is anytime I had to leave something to go to practice, people would get very snooty and be like, I thought it's all made up. What do you do at improv practice? I would always just say, you know, we just go over the script and then people would say, wait, but it's improv. And then I would say, yeah, that was the joke. Don't come to our show. Uh, <laughs>
2: okay,
0: See, I was really bad at marketing because I just kept telling people who didn't find me funny to not come. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, it's
1: a great tactic. I mean, that's quite good. You, like, you don't if, want a if, flat crowd. Yeah. Anyway, Those G9...
0: Yeah, those, those, those awful wenches from G9. But yeah, it couldn't have been B8 because Danny totally would have done that. He would have done a pun of sorts, much like the Why Can't it Be 12 inches long joke. Was
1: it G9 taking revenge after someone in Cam's cabin doxed one of G9? <laughs> oh, I
0: wa- yeah, I wonder if that's the theme in Encyclopedia Brown is that the town bully hates Encyclopedia Brown because he keeps thwarting all of his schemes. Uh. I wonder if Cam Jansen ends up having a supervillain now that doesn't like her photographic memory mm. <laughs> we'll have to see how the lore builds you can't
2: photograph what can't you photograph
0: oh Smells. yes sunsets vampires Do you photograph vampires <laughs> i thought they just didn't show up on mirrors oh i thought it was mirrors and photographs i'm not well versed in vampires so yeah, who's yeah. to say
1: i think a lot of vampire lore was written prior to photography
0: that's really, very think? true when was
2: Bram Stoker's dracula like when it was the original book like it, early 1800s i don't know
1: we're, we're digressing. I want to wrap this mystery up.
0: It's very important to know who played this terrible prank.
1: Who is really shit at pranks in this camp? That's what we
0: must <laughs> we know. Won. You know, I did say that it is someone that we meet. So the next person that comes in is Nosferatu <laughs> enters. And, uh... <laughs> okay, so... Eric says that he wants to help solve the crime, but they have to go get ready to play tennis. And this is Eric back at it again, tennis. Cam goes, oh, tennis, I know what's up. Uh-huh. And Cam is able to solve the mystery. So who do you two think is behind this very poorly executed prank? Oh, fuck. From- who have
1: we met this book? Who's been in it, in this story? It's someone we've met in this story, Shubes, or someone we met in the prior two?
0: I will just say it's a character that we've run into before. Fran is in the story, we have Betsy, one of the girls in Cam's camp, we have Cam, we have Eric, we have Danny, and then we have sports guy Jim, and then the alluded to girls in G9.
1: Was it Betsy just pulling a prank on her own cabin because she wants her cabin to take revenge on a different cabin,
0: Ah. and she's too
1: cowardly to like go and pull a real prank on them?
0: Okay, all right. Martin, do you have a guess?
2: It's Fran. Okay. Because she said she was sweaty from playing tennis, whereas in fact she was sweaty from carrying a ca- up
1: some shoes,
2: <laughs> from, <laughs> carry- from carrying a cat which had loads of sports equipment in it across the camp. Okay. It's still heavy, even though the stuff is back. Yeah, it's uh, she. She was climbing up
0: on some shoes. Right. that's why she was sweaty. <laughs> I will say, Martin is correct. It was Fran. Oh,
1: I knew Fran was up to no good from the first we met her.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was Fran. Now I'm not Helen- a fan of her. uh, nice, very good, you've already won so it's okay oh Oh, that's fantastic stop Uh, it! Okay, now that you have counterbalanced, you gain no points, plus one, (laughs) minus one. So what made Cam realize this is that Fran said that she had just come from playing tennis, but she was not holding a tennis racket. So she realizes, oh, if Fran was playing tennis, but didn't have a racket, she would have dropped the racket off back at the cabin. So Mm. if the prank had happened, which it had to have been going on during the activity, because Mm. as we remember, Fran was late, so the people were already done playing basketball she would have remembered it and then excitedly told everybody there was a raid. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So you learn, and Helen, I've given you a bonus point because of this. Uh, It's the self-sabotage type thing. Fran ended up doing it just because she thinks raids are fun and she wanted to kickstart them (laughs) playing a prank on another cabin. She just wanted to have an excuse to play a prank on people. She just wanted to sow discord. She just wants to watch the world burn. And her favorite program
1: is Punked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, 2007, that's right on brand. <laughs> yeah, but
1: she's just uh, bad at it. Because she has a bad personality as exhibited throughout this book.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't like Fran. I couldn't trust her as far as I could throw her. Right off the bat, her first thing saying, most people call me beautiful. I was just (laughs) reading this book, hoping she would be guilty in one of them. So when I got to this one, I wrote pretty early on. My guess was, I think it's Fran. I want it to be Fran. Yeah, even though
1: I did not win, I feel vindicated for my Mm -hmm. instant suspicion and antipathy towards Fran.
0: Yes, we have audio proof of your distrust and dislike of France. My antipathy.
1: thank you. (laughs) Boom, boom, bonus point.
0: So with that extra bonus point, you have brought it to just the narrowest of victories for Martin. Martin, Ah. you have won this episode of Meddling Adults with a score of 11 to 10, meaning you have earned some money for women, for refugee women. Martin, how does it feel to win victorious?
2: That's wonderful. Um, Yeah, that's some really fun puzzling.
1: Are you going to deliver the money for refugee? women in envelopes in a stolen box
2: (laughs) (laughs) no but they will have to solve a strange pun puzzle to get it
1: i feel like that's unfair on them
0: (laughs) helen you fought valiantly you did a very solid job it was a close match it was heated i'm glad that you know your fran hatred was finally vindicated in this final mystery so don't hang your head it was a close one
1: that's okay Mm. i am not convinced by cam's camera-like memory properties (laughs) either they seem pretty perfunctory yeah, at the moment,
0: I will say that I appreciate Encyclopedia Brown because he does not have any sort of supernatural ability that allows him to solve these crimes. He's just really good at noticing very minute details. Cam does have the advantage of somewhat of a superpower, but I know there's some people who have photographic memories out there, so, you know, she's just happened to be lucky.
1: My brother used his just to remember cricket statistics going back to the 19th century. Oh my
0: gosh, it feels like a poor use of... A great gift.
1: One yep. day
2: that is going to come in useful in solving an important crime.
1: Well, it's useful at the moment because he recently became a cricket commentator. So
0: oh, wow, that's decades huge. Decades later. Yeah, but you, that was that. a very slim chance of payoff. Well, Helen and Martin, thank you so much for joining. If people want to find you guys doing stuff on the internet, podcast-wise, where can they do so?
1: Well, happenstance, I make a podcast about a teen detective, Veronica Mars, uh, recapping mm-hmm. every episode of that TV show. And as at vmipod.com. I also make The Illusionist, which is at illusionist.org. And answer me this oh let's this podcast.com. and then i'm on the internet social things
2: <laughs> uh, i make a podcast called song by song which is about the music of the writer and songwriter. mystery solver some mystery solver Tom Waits. <laughs> uh, which is probably of no interest to anyone under the age of certainly that would be reading these books
0: <laughs> hey you know According to my Spotify audience statistics, I've got some elderly listeners. So, you know, you could have some Tom <laughs> fans in there. Uh, and if you want to find other stuff that I get up to, uh,
2: you can go to my website, which is martinzoltzorstwick.com, which is completely impossible to spell. So
0: maybe she'll put it in the show notes. I will put it in the notes so that people don't have to try to type it out. It's yes. all good. I'm Who here for typing? you. No one. No one. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining. Thanks listeners, thank you so much for listening. And I got to say, you guys. You guys held your own. You did pretty well. Thank and you. Fran, despite all of her awfulness, could not get away with it, thanks to you two, some wonderful meddling adults. I
1: hope Fran is gonna get put away for a long, long time after what <laughs> she's done to those poor shoes.
0: <laughs> she moved those beds. She put shoes against the children's will on top of the beds. It's a heinous crime, and Cam was right to want to solve it so quickly.
1: <laughs> Gotta stop her one Fran crime wave. Uh,
0: <laughs> she'll be a Fran on the run. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) We could arrest her for Fran slaughter. (laughs) (laughs) She's a wanted Fran. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to stop recording. thanks for listening to Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. It's co-produced by Multitude. Today's episode was edited by Percy of Berlin. The music is by Bettina Campomanes. The art is by Mayan And the web design is by me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to help increase the amount that we will be giving to charities at the end of this season, you can do so by checking out our show's Patreon, patreon.com meddlingadults, where all of the proceeds after expenses are going to the charities. And it's not just the support over Patreon. There's bonus content as well. Some bonus clips that don't make it into the episodes. We thank you on the website. And if you're the highest tier will give you a special shout out in the season finale you can check out meddling adults on facebook twitter and instagram at meddling adults as well as reddit.com slash r slash meddling adults if you want to learn more about the show you can go to meddlingadults.com if you want to tell someone about the show or rate and review the show online i would very much appreciate that thanks so much for listening and hope to see you next episode